This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to the Dogish Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to pet parents and the topics, personalities affecting their lives. I'm Sylvia West, a dog mom, certified professional dog trainer and pet expert at Dog Up in This Bitch. And with me as always is my mm, fabulous co-host, Ms. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yes. I feel like mm, mostly mm, fabulous. Listen, <laughs> everyone's going to know what happened with the dog dad joke here shortly. So... That's got, me giving you side eye. Um, no, two dog dad jokes today. He, I know he just doubled so you know. up. It just, yeah. just be prepared for much amazing yeah. joke enjoyment. Jason, our next guest is super exciting. Her name is Claudia. We're diving back into the dog sports rabbit hole. By the way, this super week we're cool. talking to Claudia about tribal um, and Alaska, which sounds t- so cold. Uh, very cold. <laughs> so um, I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. Off we go. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Claudia is coming in from Alaska again. She just got done telling us how hot 70 degrees up there and they consider getting <laughs> swimming pools for the dogs around that time. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, you know, as well, someone... it's not right. And it's not 70 degrees now. It's roughly zero degrees now. But uh, in the peak of the summer, it might get really hot at 70. Degrees. Which, you know, being someone <laughs> that's about the difference. Yeah, being as someone that's from California, I'm like 70. Girl, it gets 102 here in the city. So, <laughs> oh my God, 70 doesn't die. sound very hot to me. <laughs> well, and I've lived in Phoenix where we've like oh. tipped into like the 120s. 120. Yeah. Yeah. But now, I, now, uh, now I got to be a, so we've we visited down into Phoenix not too long ago. And after being back in Reno for six years now, I'll be out you know, mowing the grass or something like that, having no clue how I'd be able to tolerate an additional 30 degrees on top oh. of that. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's hot, but zero is cold. So I don't, I don't know how I would be able to tolerate 70 degrees less than that. That's for the cold, but there's only so much you can take off. If, if I may, this is why I live in Southern California where we get a nice rise, you know, never 120, but also never zero. I think snowboarding is the way to go. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the winter just that's the escape ending. Alaska in the winter, go somewhere else where it yeah. might snow occasionally. I want to see the snow. That's nice. But I want it to go away a little bit faster. Yeah. And in the summer up here in Alaska, it's beautiful. So summer is So how summer. long is the winter? Um, so the saying goes, Alaska has four seasons, um, June, July, August, and winter. <laughs> 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 which is not exactly true um but it's really definitely <laughs> clearly six months <laughs> at least where we are i mean i'm in the uh, south central region so it's a little bit more coastal here so it's a little bit more mild here um and so our winter yeah six months from october till april that's pretty reasonable that um wow. april should it should disappear now there's way too much snow out there right now <laughs> so 
What are, what do the dogs do? Like, do they, I mean, I suppose they just adjust to always being cold. Like your dogs probably don't need snow shoes and jackets or do they? Um, I do have them for them. If you look at the picture back behind me there, the, the mostly white dog is the one I have right now. And she has the least coat of all of them. And so she, um, when she runs around out there, she doesn't need a coat. Even my Jack Russell Terrier didn't want a coat when she was running around out there. But if they're just hanging out there, if they're just hanging out around the car because we're prepping or something like that, and they cannot get into the car yet, that's cold. So that's when they need a coat when they're hanging out. Um, and booties, I put usually on the dogs when it's less than 15 degrees. But that depends on the dogs. Um, some dogs up here need booties, not because it's so cold, but because they snowball up so badly, like golden retrievers. Um, they wear booties in the warm snow because they get so many snowballs. They What's a snowball? Um, then the snow collects in their fur and it makes little snowballs and they look like a Christmas tree with um, hangings on there, with decoration on there. Have you never seen this? Snowballs hanging the, hang the fur. Oh. Just said Literally. I live in California. Oh man, somewhere <laughs> that I'm more of an expert on dog something than Sylvia is. This is amazing. Listen, there are probably a lot of our listeners who don't live in the snow and have never seen a <laughs> snowball on a dog. So. That's true. That well, hey, let's, okay. boggled let's, my mind. Let's have a quick, I have to Google it. I'm no, no, Googling. Okay, so let's I take a, a real quick yeah, conversation about this. There's, there's, there's wonderful pictures about, about golden retrievers that are kind of like below their belly line. Everything is just snow, like oh 50 pounds of snow hanging on them. <laughs> I'm just going to hold this up anymore. for any of our YouTube people who've never seen snowballs. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy ridiculous but oh, yeah. also super cute but i could see where that would be <laughs> exactly. that so dog it's a, miserable it's a topic here um like in any most snow areas especially like i, I would assume uh, obviously up in alaska but where we have these drastic changes in temperature and um all of a sudden like on facebook and social media and all these things like people trying to let everybody else know that your dog is not necessarily equipped to be living outside in the snow. And if it's cold, then they're cold. And you're a jerk if you leave them outside in the here or there and things like that. But then I always feel a little guilty because about you'll see about 100 of those posts. And then you'll see one, maybe two posts of somebody that has like a husky and, <laughs> and the husky's making them look bad because the husky has no desire to come inside, wants to stay outside in the snow, loves it out there. Um, what are some other breeds that do really well up there in the snow, Claudia? Um, actually, Labrador Retrievers are doing really well out there. They love it in the snow as well. That's and then um, sure enough, the thicker coated ones like the Newfoundlands, Lanciers, um, the Block guardian dogs, Pyrenees mountain dogs, and stuff like that. They do all really. They want to be outside. They they want to be outside. No matter how cold it is. Uh, pretty much no matter how cold it yeah. is. They want to be out of the weather maybe or so. So you want to have an area for them where they can be out of the wind, um, and where they can maybe lie down there dry. Um, but even that is not necessarily important. I mean, the huskies they know how to curl up in the snow, and they have such good insulation. The snow will never melt underneath them. Um, they will just have a nice little um, cozy um, igloo there. <laughs> Because they have like That's a crazy. Don't they have a different coat? Don't they have like yeah, they have a like double two, insulated? Yeah, coat. yeah, yeah. Like a like a really fine hair underneath, and then the, like the fluffier hair on the outside, right? And this is why. Quick tip: You're never supposed to shave your husky. Also, pomeranians have this double insulated coat, so don't shave your pomeranian. Palms too. It. Yeah, palms have a they double have insulated a super coat. Thick coat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. And when you shave it, it ruins it. And you can actually tamper their natural ability to regulate their own temperature, including in the heat. Interesting. I want to really quickly go back to the snowballs. Um, by the way, in Alaska, the snow is most of the time too cold for snowballs. Um, we cannot have snowball fights or anything like that in Alaska very often because the snow is so cold and so dry that you cannot form a snowball unless you let it melt in your hand for super yep. long and by that time yeah. your fingers are frozen. So um, snowballing um, is not as often a problem as it is in um, other areas where the snow is warmer. Where I come from in Germany, for example, we always could make snowballs every time it would snow. So that was totally new to me here in Alaska, that um, in Alaska you can't make snowballs. <laughs> okay. On that note, we're going to take a really quick break. <laughs> I can see Sylvia. My uh, brain is I like... want to say melting down, but we'll say just freezing up, having no <laughs> idea what to say. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we're back here with Claudia, who, contrary to popular belief, we did not bring on to talk about snow and Alaska. We actually <laughs> brought her to talk about uh, the crazy, wild and wonderful world of dog sports. And Claudia happens to be an expert trainer of trainers for the sport tribal which probably most of our listeners don't know what that is. So, Claudia, do you want to explain to everybody what tribal is? So in tri-ball, um, the um, original idea or the original um, game was that um, um, there would be a goal, like a soccer goal, and the handler would stand in that goal. And um, in front of them on the soccer field, uh, basically um, half a soccer field, would be um, eight balls. Uh, and they're exercise balls, the size of exercise balls for a regular-sized dog. I mean, they can be smaller for smaller dogs. Um, and these balls are kind of shaped in a triangle form, like a billiard uh, on a billiard table. Okay. And, um, the point of the triangle is away from the handler um, and they need to send the dog out behind that triangle, behind that what we call the point ball. And then uh, they need to start bringing the point ball um, by themselves into the goal without too much help from the handler. I mean, the handler can in the goal go right and left and give verbal cues and visual cues and everything. Um, but the dog is on its own about what it uh, takes to delegate that tri ball into the goal. Um, and in the end, they need to bring all eight balls into the goal and the faster, the better. Um, that was the original game. Um, they have developed that sport into a lot more than that. They play other games now where the balls are like out there on the field. There might be less balls out there for beginners. Now it's only three balls for beginners. Um, and uh, they are in different um, formations out there. And the, then sometimes they say bring ball one first and then ball two and then ball three. Mm -hmm. And then um, so they have different orders maybe for the balls. Then they might even have uh, a specific um, uh, freestyle challenge. They do that too now. They call them tripod freestyle challenges where um, they say um, you need to first surround all the balls one time and then come back to ball number one and pick it up first. And then you have to surround ball number two individually. And then you've got to go to ball number three and bring that one home and, you know, different ideas on what to do. So actually it's more than just pushing balls. The number one goal is that the ball learns to push the ball towards you. Um, and not just anywhere around in the yard, um, like a lot of dogs like to do that already, probably. Um, by the way, the goal is also not to destroy the ball because it's just a ball with air filled. <laughs> um, so um, they're pretty. Um, so hold on uh, a second. I, I just want to like clear something up. So you're talking about like a yoga ball, like a big, like a inflatable 
Like you might sit on one of these at your desk. Your exactly. Ball, and they're the going dog... up to your knee, those balls. They're pretty big. Exactly. Okay. So if I'm looking at the photo behind you, so your, your border collie, the white one, is going to push with their nose a giant inflatable ball into a goal where you're standing. So you can't go on the field and like corral your dog to push the ball the right. No, exactly. No, I can't. No, I can't. You're Um, stuck. How far is the, okay. How far is the goal from the balls? um, That depends on the level of the dog, but that can go up to 20 meters, which is about 60 feet. That's far. So your dog's just like, Run out there, go get the ball. It's kind of like fetch for them, you know. So they learn kind of to but fetch 60 the ball. feet um, and yeah, a giant ball, right. bigger than their um, body. About yeah, a little bit bigger. Yeah, that's about our shoulder height, I think. Um, and the reason why you want a bigger ball is because they're not allowed to use their paws to push the ball. Okay. So if the ball is too small, they will actually try to go on top of it, on top of it with their paws, and they're not allowed to do that. So um, bigger is actually better, so that they really stick with the rule of pushing it with nose, head, or chest, but not at the paws. No feet allowed. No feet okay. allowed. So like, this, not that she'd ever do tri ball. Maybe though. For but her, there would be smaller balls. I mean, you would balls. do smaller balls for the small dogs. Yes, they can be done with any dog, any size, because they will adjust the ball size for the dog. I mean... <laughs> I can see you working through all of this. Well, I'm just, I'm trying to like... I mean, I've seen probably what is more considered like freestyle. I'm just trying to was OK. OK, so now what happens? <laughs> this is how my brain works. So what happens if your dog goes out to, to the triangle, which I'm literally envisioning like like uh, when you set a pool table up, like the little triangle, you, know, mm-hmm. right? you rack your balls. So they've got like a rack of giant balls on a giant pool table which is a field the dog goes out and they get that first ball do they break all the other balls apart or they have to push that first ball without touching any of the other balls that is a very good question it's actually um just like in billiard um they're supposed to push the first ball so hard that it that it pushes all the other balls out of out of out of position. That's like so that they are now actually sprinkled over the field. Okay, so but the 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 flat part of are the, are they in the shape of a triangle? That's why it's called yeah. triball, right? So do they when they when they break it, do they they go around to the top and then come back towards you to break it? They don't break through the bottom, right? No, they don't break through the bottom. You're correct. They are coming they to, to go to the tip, the just like the point ball, just like in billiard. You go to the tip and yep. push that first ball against the tip. And that brings that's that pushes all the other balls out of um, out of position. Is there an out of bounds? Like, what if they break it and the balls like fly off the field? What happens? Um, usually, those fields are fenced in physically, so they okay. put a physical fence up there so that the balls cannot get out. But there are some competitions where um, there is actually just a borderline on the ground with like survey tape on the ground or something. I mean, that feels impossible. And there, it's really important for the dogs that they catch the balls that are like by the wind blown towards the towards the tape. They're going to run after those balls first. So that's why it's super important for the handler <laughs> to, to, to be able to tell the dog, stop this ball right now, stop right there um, and go to the other ball first and pick the other ball up first, because that's about to blow out of our field. And then this ball is, um, is not um, valid for us anymore. So we can't bring it in anymore. This is a whole nother level of communication. I mean, and I, mean I knew dogs were smart, but like, Okay, 
I'm just trying. So now as a trainer, like this is where my brain is like, because I'm just trying to think about like how in the heck you train a dog. See what I so I've always You're wanted starting with a closer distance for sure. You wouldn't start with such a far distance. You don't start and say, sure. like, hey, go out there and get that ball 20 feet or 20 meters away or something, you know. So it has to all start with a very close distance. Um it has okay. to start with teaching the dog specific basics. Um and uh, there's okay, uh, what okay, okay. So what's one of those basics? One of those basics is that you just teach the dog that they need to be on the other side of the ball. I mean, just go to the other side of the ball and face me. That is one major major task that they need to learn because if they don't understand they need to go to the other side of the ball first before they can push it then they will never push it to me right because they need to push the ball towards you towards me always always exactly so they have to learn to like go around so i think so even more basic than that they've got to learn pivots it comes with the territory, I would say, because they want to face me because they want to see what the next um, input is that I have to give them. Right. So they do want to. But yes, you're right. I mean, when I teach my dogs, um, when I teach the dogs to go to the other side, I teach them, number one, that the nose is on the other side first. That's step number one. And step number two will be that that butt comes around too, so that they're actually really perfect um, across from me. So that's like, a, okay, Jason, this is where we're going to get real like dog mm. nerd. Let me see it. But that's so you're talking now about like hind end awareness and really exactly, kind of getting exactly, them to like a little bit because most dogs don't don't spin their butts around. Right. Like they'll spin face first. OK, Jason. So if you envision your dog like Max trying to go around in a circle, he's going <coughs> to his head. Yeah. Which what they need to do is keep their nose stationary and spin their butt around their nose. Gotcha. So exactly. that would be step one, I guess, if you at home are like, how do I teach my dog to go around the ball? You have to teach them how to pivot their hind end around. Exactly. And what we also use for that, we actually use for that little targets, um, um, which is a, a place on the ground um, where they need like to put a bowl their or something on. Um, exactly. It's something where they need to put their two front feet on. And it could be like a tipped over bowl, like you said, a turned over bowl. Um, so it's a little bit higher for the front feet in the beginning. That makes it easier to teach them that. Um, and when you teach them a specific spot to be on with their two front feet and their front feet have to stay on there no matter what, then it's easier for them to then pivot that hind end around. And that spot we will place behind that ball and then it all comes together. So that's a little bit of a help sometimes to put that spot behind the ball so that they know where to go there um, and, uh, and then swing the hind end around without moving the front feet. You there, okay, you there you go. Yeah, you just you get them to spin around, and now you can be a tri ball champion just like that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> almost, almost, almost. That's it. Winner. We teach them go more this way, more to the right, more to the left, or go right around the ball, or left around the ball. Um, go around all the obstacles um, counterclockwise, or go around all the obstacles clockwise. Go around one single ball clockwise or counterclockwise. That ends in a little bit freestyle techniques where um, you want to teach them different cues for the different things, kind of. So what are um, some of those cues? Like, are we um, are we using clickers? Are we just using voice commands? Are we just randomly clapping and making odd noises with our voices? Like, <laughs> like I can only imagine, like, as a novice, some random person just flailing and wailing and coming up with weird things versus, versus like, a pro is like, clack, clack, and the dog knows how to do 13 different tricks based on that. Um, we are not like the hunting people where we do whistles or something like that, but um, we use regular cues, verbal cues, and the hand signals for sure too. I mean, the arm out all the way this way is go that way, right? <laughs> Usually. 
Um, but um, when we use verbal cues, we have actually started using them from the herding community because in the beginning it was kind of thought that tribe ball, which is the German word for driving a ball, tribe means driving and ball is the ball. Um, so um, tribe ball was actually invented kind of with the idea in mind that herding dogs could herd exercise balls around. Um, so it's kind of like uh, like an yeah. urban herding, where like exactly. instead of herding, 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 you're herding. Wow. Okay. Exactly. This is. Uh, a, I think this is a good place to pause. We're gonna take a quick break, and more on this when we come back. Okay. So. Um, Full transparency. This isn't the first time that we've talked to Claudia. I actually had a bit of a snafu and we messed up her first recording. But one of the things that, and I apologize, Claudia, like we need to get, we need to make that as a public an apology to everybody. But one of the things that you taught me last time, which was still fascinating and I've been teaching the kids and stuff that like all of these complex tricks and maneuvers and putting your hands out and all this stuff really starts with just, um, getting them to come to two fingers, right? To touch your two fingers. Exactly. That's a good start with every dog. Like that was, that was such an easy place for me to really start. And, and we've been mixing it in here and there, but it was just like using foods and treats. Like what were some of the nuances again, to making sure that to really be able to get their attention. So you want me to show you the trick again? How? To yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. So, Basically, you have treats in the one hand and you have the two fingers here. And um, if you put your two fingers down towards your dog, but not directly in the face, the dog will come to those fingers and will um, look at that and say, hey, what are these two fingers doing there? And in that moment, you mark that, that that's exactly what you wanted. That's where we use a clicker for usually, but you can mark it with a marker word as well. Like, yes, you did the right thing. And in the moment, uh, after, as soon as you have marked that correct behavior afterwards, you're giving them that cookie. So first thing, offer them your fingers, then they touch those fingers, mark that correct behavior of touching your fingers with a marker, um, yes, or click. And then afterwards, give the dog a treat for that. So every marker is always followed with a, with a cookie. There's no exception to that. So whenever you mark a behavior, you follow with a reward so that they learn, number one, um, this is what I needed to do. Number two, I really get a reward for this one. And I thought that was just um, such a perfect And then perfect, um, you can make it more complicated. Yep, it's super, super nice, but it actually delegates you on a dog because as soon as you can delegate where the dog's nose goes, you can delegate where your dog goes. And um, if it's your fingers, it will always be around you somewhere and never out there anywhere else um, because your fingers are with you. So you will get your dog with you. You will keep your dog with you. You can play tag games with that and have, tell your dog, hey, run along with me. Here's my fingers. Come on, touch them, touch them. You know, you can have exercise games with them. You can teach tricks with them. Like you can teach the trick of spin around in a circle by making them follow those fingers. You can teach them to sit up by bringing their nose up. You can teach them to lay down by bringing their nose to the floor. So you can teach them behaviors, um, anything. I mean, there's, um, uh, I think, uh, the sky is the limits, I would say, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> apparently, we're literally talking about training dogs to run around balls, push them into a goal while you stand 60 feet away. So, yeah, sky is definitely the limit. So what's the most difficult trick? So we just learned, like, here's the easiest one. What's What would you say is the, the pinnacle or something All that's really difficult <laughs> to, to, to teach them to do? 
the actual game of tribal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's not an easy game to teach. So um, there is not much to it in the form of um, how many different things they need to know. Um, but then putting these all together and then creating the distance and being able to do that all at a huge distance, that is, um, uh, that is a hardcore work. There's no question about it. Um, so getting them to actually go out like just even, let's say, uh, 10 feet and at 10 feet distance have them circle a ball um, and then push the ball to you, that's already a major task for the dog. Um, teaching them to... To, to, um, to direct the ball correctly so that they actually learn, aha, I need to push a specific way and not just like hit the ball somehow, um, so that they learn to be responsible for the action of where the ball goes and to kind of stay with the ball so that they can actually adjust where the ball is rolling to. Um, that steering of the ball, that takes a lot of practice and a lot of specific exercises to help the dog to figure that out, how they do that and to even that they need to do that. Um, so that's already like a year in the making right there, I would say, um, until they have learned oh, a year. So, with somebody. So just some of the basics are taking about a year. Just a year. Yeah, I would say so. I would say it, it, it's a, it's, but it's a, it's very, I like the sport, um, not because it takes a year to get there, but because of the way how to get there, because there's so many things I can do. And because it's so easy to do that, I can do that at home. I mean, I don't even need a ball. I can do so many, I mean, 90% of the exercises are not about the ball. 90% of the exercises are other things that I don't even need a ball for. So I can actually, in my house, I just set a chair out there and I say, hey, I want you to circle the chair. And I can actually exercise my dog in the house on rainy days or when I'm just too lazy to go outside or whatever. Or, yeah, or it's zero. Right, or it's zero. Degrees, exactly. And there's snowballs balls everywhere. I have my dog go around the kitchen island right and left and I teach her the cues for, hey, go around the kitchen island this way. Uh, clockwise go counterclockwise and i'm trying to teach her different words for that so going back to um what are the words for um these tribal um um directions for these um different moves um the from the herding community we have um taken over the cues um come by and away to me um come by is the the word for come by the clock which means that the dog has to surround the flock the sheep uh, clockwise by the clock um, so that's come by come by the clock and then um, if you want them to come away um, um, away from that so counterclockwise that's called away to me and some people just say away away and don't say the away to me um, I, I I have to admit that somehow I have a learning disability there and I was never able to remember that so I was like okay come by means come by the clock come by the clock that's clock the clock goes this way okay that's the way so it took me like five five different uh, thinkings until I finally was, okay, come by, it's this one. Um, so that was always too long for me. So I, I needed to have something faster. So I just told my dog, I just taught my dog clock and counter. <laughs> That's how I call them, just clock and counter because it's faster for me. I still have to think about the clock, but now that was much, much faster in my head. So clock is going clockwise and counter is going counterclockwise. And that's how I use them now. <laughs> Works that for makes me. Sense. Yeah. Then you that get to just choose whatever sense. whatever words you want. So, like you yeah. you mentioned a year, and so a year to to get some of the basics. But are and I mean I'm I'm assuming that this is a year of pretty intense training, whether it's daily or. But if, even 
even at the end yeah, of the year, are they ready to compete? Faster, probably. I have to okay. say that I'm not necessarily a daily trainer. So a few times a week, maybe two, three times a week, if you work on it, one time a week to a class, maybe. And then at home, two to three, maybe yeah, two to three times a little bit more training. That should do the trick. And then are they ready to compete at that level or is there still a lot more to learn? Um, they can probably start to compete um, as long as... Um, there's so many other things to compete. I mean, if you really go to a competition, then your dog has to be okay with all the surroundings there, other dogs there, being in a different area and doing the same thing in a different area all of a sudden. So um, depending on your dog, if your dog is doing what the other dog sports and tribal is just a new sport, um, then yes, after a year, I think you can compete. Um, but if your dog is brand new to everything and needs to also learn um, to do tribal in different environment first, uh, maybe go out in a yard first. First, we have only done it at the dog training facility, maybe only indoors. Now they have to do it outdoors. Now they have to actually uh, learn outdoors in a different venue, you know, maybe in your own yard or somebody else's yard or in a public uh, park or something, dog park, uh, not dog park probably, but just a park somewhere um, uh, on a field or something like that. So that, um, so, and then um, the, tournament experience of uh, there's other dogs barking in the background there's people walking around and stuff so there's so many more distractions that they have to work through as well than saying a full full beginner probably will need a little bit longer to work on these things just as well so how long have your dogs been training for this uh-huh so here we go <laughs> best answer to a question ever uh-huh yeah <laughs> Here comes my little confession. <laughs> I'm living in Alaska. In Alaska, we do not have competitions. <laughs> wow. So I'm off the hook with competitions, which um, reveals that I do the sport not because of the competition, but because I just love the activity with the dog. Mm. Um, wow. I actually, the, the dogs in my background, I have two black and white dogs in there. Um, and these two black and white dogs, um, the one that is um, more black and uh, less white, um, she's an Australian Shepherd Husky Cross, just to tell the people that can't see the picture. Australian Shepherd Husky Cross, and on the picture, she's already like 15 years old. Um, and um, she was the dog that I had for 16 years, um, and I did tribal with her for 10 years. Um, wow. even though I never competed with her in a competition, in a tribal competition. I was actually um, taking part with her um, 15, 18, no, uh, 16 years uh, 18, yeah, no, 18 years ago, holy smokes, <laughs> 18 years ago, I was competing with her um, in a, uh, what's called a, a, a World Tribal League, um, which is kind of an online challenge where um, the host gave us challenges every two weeks throughout the winter. Um, and every two weeks, we would videotape ourselves, practice that challenge, videotape ourselves, and then submit that video um, on time before the next challenge would come out. And so she participated as, she was back then already. 18 uh, years ago, there was no, online challenges? No, that's wrong. 2013. It was 2013. So it was eight years ago. So that's what it was, eight years ago. I knew it was 2003, 2013 it was. So okay. yeah, she, because she was already 10 years old by that time and she was grandma. She was participating grandma. And uh, because I didn't start the sport with her until she was like seven or something like that. Um, and so by the time she was 10, I was competing in that online challenge. The other dog that I have in the picture here on the right that's mostly white and a little bit black, she is all she's an Alaskan husky um, with the border collie with the high border collie content like 12.5% or so. Um, she looks a little bit like a very sprinty sprint type dog. Um, she looks like there's some greyhound in her as well, maybe because she's so fine built. 
and um, she is um, my new tribal dog, and I am practicing tribal with her kind of on and off for about two years. I had a break of half a year when I didn't really do much with her because I work on other things. Um, but um, so on and off two years, I would say. And um, she is ready. She has done some online challenges now too, where we work on practices, um, work on skills, and then submit videos um, already um, starting last fall. So we have done that with her. Okay, well, I'm going to jump in because it's time to take a break. Okay. We're back. Okay. okay. We need to be back now. Okay. Yeah. So I was curious, like we can't leave out number three there. So who's that? Number three is my sweetest dog ever. That's Chinook. And she is a true Alaskan Husky and true in the sense of a true sled dog because Alaskan Huskies are actually bred to be sled dogs. And she is a true sled dog. She was born as a sled dog in a mushing kennel. Um, um, and uh, she actually has participated in long distance racing. She actually was in the Editorot, um, which is a thousand mile race oh. in the Alaskan wilderness. A thousand oh, miles? Were a thousand you on miles. the sled or was someone else on the sled? <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> not me. Um, actually, um, she was with a friend of us, um, um, Jeff Dieter. Um, he, she was raised in our kennel. We had a sled dog kennel. My husband was running the Editorot twice. Um, but she was too young at that point. She was only one and a half years old um, when we actually um, retired from mushing and sold the sled dog team to somebody else who would continue the sport because sled dogs need to work, so they need to mm -hmm. do something. So for them, it's actually better to give them to somebody who will raise them rather than to have them sit in the yard and just um, grow old. Um, and she was only one and a half years old, definitely too young to sit in the yard and do nothing. So the sled dog team was sold to some other musher, but to a good friend of ours. And she was actually running the editor with him and finishing with him to Nome. And then um, I did get her back as a retiree. Um, she actually ended up going to another musher yet um, and stayed with that musher for a while, also a friend of ours. And um, um, that musher needed to eventually um, reduce kennel size. And she knew that I told her I would take the dog back. So um, I got the dog back when she was only seven years old. Um, and then she grew old with us until she was about 14. Wow. So, okay. My, okay. I've never been a sport dog, by the way. She was never a sport dog. She was just a wonderful run-along farm dog with us. So that was what she wanted to be, a run-along farm dog. Oh, I love that. Well, can, I, can I ask how long a thousand Wait, miles? Wait, I have a question. I know, but but I'm worried that you were going to like switch topics. And I'm, I'm oh, like, Jesus. a thousand miles. That is so, uh, in the snow, with snowballs yeah. all over the place. A hundred miles a day. 100 miles a day. She just said Alaska snow is not, it's too cold to make snowballs. Some days, off. not all days. Listen, Jason, you need to listen to our host. Uh, yes. <laughs> those dogs do not get snowballs. No, and those dogs don't have the fur for snowballs. I mean, you cannot Slick have cold. a dog in there that gets snowballs. There's no way. So 10 yeah, days. Yeah, Jason. Up. So cool. I've, I've seen some of those videos before and I've heard about that race, but I don't really know much of the details. So a thousand, I didn't you realize. You can invite me another time for this topic. <laughs> yes, that'd I mean, be awesome. Seriously. Okay, man. okay, okay. You're, right. you're on deck. You're, uh, you're up. Oh, uh, yeah. Get thanks. It. Oh, wow. Take a swing. Thank you, Jason. Let me see what you got. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, my question was for all of our listeners who don't live in Alaska and can't sled a thousand miles, but might want to try a tri ball at home. I, I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy a giant 
well, I don't have big dogs, so I'm going to buy small exercise balls. You're going to buy kickballs. I'm going to buy kickballs that come up to my dog's shoulders. Correct. That's the sizing. Oh, yeah, exactly. How do I get them to push the ball with their face? Um, I tell you what, I wouldn't even buy a ball yet. Um, uh, oh. The best way to actually start this is if you don't use a ball, but use other objects to practice first. And okay. uh, going back to the pushing of the finger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually have them touch other things. Um, so they can touch fingers. They can touch um, cooking spoons. They can touch um, little um, toys, um, toys on wheels, for example, um, kids' toys on wheels. And you can teach them with a cooking spoon already that they should not just touch it, but they should touch it harder. Mm-hmm. And so they learn to touch the harder and then they learn to touch even harder, even harder. And uh, so they're moving it. And so you teach them to move it. You can also, in that same um, um, context, you can teach them to like touch a, touch a door and close a door. So then when the door moves, that's a good thing. They're learning that moving something is a good thing. That's what you want from them. Not that they're getting scared. Like sometimes kids get scared. Oh, I think I, think I broke something. And the dogs are the same way. Something moves. They're like, oh, my God, I think I broke something. Or they get scared of the movement. and say, oh, God, that moved now. That scared me. Um, so the way, but a lot of times moving really scares them. So um, you need to teach them that moving something is a good thing. And then um, touching it on the other side of yours again. So teaching them right from the get-go that if they can touch that um, kids' toys on wheels on the other side over there, maybe put a little post-it sticker on there and say, this is what I want you to touch here, the post-it sticker, right? Um, put the post-it stickers in your house around, say, yeah, you got the post-it sticker, that's where you touch, right? And then put the post-it sticker back on the um, on the cart or wheel, on the little wheeled object, and then have them push there. And when it moves, like, yay, it moves, great, great. So that's the first thing you would do is really actually get them to move something else but a ball. So you don't want to start with a ball. You want to get the behavior first on other objects, and then you transfer that to the ball once they know to use their paw. That way you don't have to undo wrong behaviors like if you start with the ball too early a lot of times what happens when people come to us and they're like oh my ball dog can I already push the ball so it's super easy for me to learn tripod so what do I do and we're like okay we got to undo a few things here so we're actually correcting some things number one don't just push the ball anytime anywhere um, you need to actually only push the ball that I tell you to but you can't just go and push the best next ball the next best ball you need to really wait for me to tell you so the number one thing um, that we need to undo in dogs that we know how to push a ball is that we need to teach them only push if I tell you to. Um, so that's the same thing with the kid's toy. You can also teach your dog right there already, only push it if I tell you to. Um, and then well, and I could just I imagine like a very exuberant dog would be like, yeah, exactly, push exactly. the ball and the ball moves and then they're like, ball! And then they go attack the <laughs> Exactly. Ball. They go blasting after the ball and then race after the ball. Exactly. That's a uh, that can be good, but it can also, so it shows enthusiasm. That's a good thing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, sometimes we have to then say, hey, uh, really, this is not exactly the right way. They need to really steer it better and they need to really bring it to us. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a little bit more to that. And then um, teaching them uh, that uh, there's other things to do around a ball. Um, when the ball is present, I want you to still listen to me. Like, can you sit? Can you lay down? Can you... Um, can you walk around the ball without touching it? Can you stay far enough away from the ball so you don't even touch it with your shoulders so it really doesn't move? That's a very hard one if the dogs really like the balls. They want to, even when they just go around the ball, they go so tight around the ball that they're actually just pushing the ball with the shoulder and the ball rolls away already before they even get to the point behind the ball. 
so yeah so a lot of different things to teach them first um before the ball gets even involved and then um to to kind of undo or the they're going with the paw for the ball and stuff like that so that's something needs to be undone too sometimes so do you coach a lot of people with this stuff like i, I know there's not a, a lot of competitions and you do the online stuff but are you coaching a lot of people um no it's a small niche right now at this point um there's definitely other sports that are growing faster than tri-ball, um, which um, I don't really understand why. <laughs> Me neither. I'm, like, I'm, I'm all gung ho. I'm going to start. I'm going to start teaching Juniper to tri-ball. Um, I have just filled another um, tri-ball beginner class right now. So I'm starting another tri-ball beginner class. Um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to start that actually this week. Um, that will be a lot of fun, but I don't offer beginner tri-ball classes as often as I offer like agility classes or something. So, the agility classes are still the things where the people are like, oh, yeah, obstacles, obstacles, and this is so great. And um, and so they, they they see something more they are going on, and it's like it's it's a little bit easier in agility to say, hey, here's an obstacle. I teach you how to get your dog over that safely, and then the dog does it, and that's good. And then they feel that's all the dog needs to learn there, and then we can, by the way, later on, um, in between the obstacles, sneak in that there's a lot more to agility as well, <laughs> like directional yeah. uh, changes and all that stuff in the and handler pathway changes and so so there's a lot more but i can sneak that in in between the obstacles later on where in tri-ball it needs to be up front already more and then people get a little bit frustrated sometimes with yep that goes much slower than i thought and i thought my dog would be faster just playing tri-ball so because it looks like so easy it's just some balls and nothing else um, but yeah there's a lot more to it there but I you do but there are so much distance control over my dog but you do offer a lot of coaching for other sports um yes we do um Besides tribal, we do agility. Um, we get people into rally obedience. Um, um, nose work is another sport. Um, so there's a lot of good sports out there, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Is- I hate to interrupt. Oh, jeez. Again. But we're here. We're at the end of the show. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. Your questions oh. are done, Jason. No uh, more from you. I would have Glad had time to- for one more if you wouldn't have stopped me the- um, earlier. Actually, excuse you. <laughs> I was being kind. The timer ran out like three minutes ago, and I just let you go, Jason, with your Sweet. curiosity. Okay. Um, but, Claudia, because you've done this before, you already know what we need to do right now. So hopefully Jason's prepared something new for you. I got you. He's got a big stack of dog dad jokes like, no, over I'm, there. No, I'm actually running out. I'm, I'm running thin. Oh, boy. Our, our future guests may get some really bad ones. But oh, I've got no. a good one today. Okay, good. Let's you ready? That's all ever be. <laughs> why? Why did the Australian Shepherd keep crossing the road? Oh, no. She's ready. <laughs> His owner was throwing a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> what else is in that pile? Yeah, the, I mean, he the, he was trying to fetch a boomerang, so he kept on going back and forth. Poor guy. <laughs> Who would do that? That's not nice. Uh, oh lord <laughs> there i was thinking about the stripes of the pedestrian crosswalk and maybe he was trying to hurt the stripes of the pedestrian crosswalk <laughs> yeah i thought move. like i thought it was an, i thought it was like an australian thing because boomerangs are maybe australian i want, read too much into it yeah, yeah probably do, do you want a different one i can give you let's, let's no see. it's okay that we got the one we got we got okay the one. all right it's, it's unfortunate but it is what it is can it get worse from here or just better what do you think apparently it's oh, no, okay worse. here get this here no no no. let me give you another one let me give, oh like, no yeah right? i think one is enough no, no 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 here you go okay what what, what the what the dog say to the tree to the tree <laughs> to the tree 
Bark. I feel like I'm to pee. <laughs> Bark. Bark. <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> that better. Oh my goodness! It was it was easier to understand. So yeah. I feel like I yeah I think Claudia and I were. We're just too intellectual for the boomerang one. We were both like Australian Shepherd. Yeah, you guys were like in your up. training brains. Yeah, listen, <laughs> yeah. we just had a training conversation. Right. What do you expect from us? We're talking yeah. about tripods. I'm thinking herding, Australian Shepherd herding. Totally. <laughs> and I was thinking, is it an Australian thing? Mate, you were I don't on the right know. track yeah. the Australian thing because it was a boomerang, right? Yeah. That's right. All right. Yeah, All right. The right track. Well, Claudia, thanks so much thanks for so bearing much, Claudia. us again. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We it's might so have another crazy. conversation about the I did rod about thousand miles in the snow. Yes, oh I gosh. would love to sit and talk definitely, about definitely. Yeah, we'll set maybe, that up for sure. Definitely, we would love that. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you, Claudia from A Better Companion, for coming in and enlightening us on so much different stuff. Everything from running uh, races that are a thousand miles long in Australia to alaska this. what is wrong with oh you? my joke australia. was in australia yeah, yeah yeah. oh my gosh you're all alaska the australia they're pretty much the same place <laughs> 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 but especially about tribal like that was amazing on the my amount of commands club. and what you can do and build that bond so thank you guys so much and thank you for joining us as always all of claudia's information is going to be down in the show notes over at dogishpodcast.com give her a follow check her out and if you're looking at anything that is sports related me i, I really enjoy listening to claudia and how she breaks down all those training tips so connect with her as well and lastly, if there's any topics, events, or personalities that you want us to feature on the show, make sure to reach out and let us know. And be so, sure, if you're not already, hit that subscribe button so you can yes. be up to date on all of the exciting guests that we have coming up. We have so much more information that we're blasting you with, um, interviews that I cannot wait for you guys to hear. So subscribe, know when we're here, but if you're not, then every Tuesday, 1 p.m. And tell your friends, content. like send it, send it friends. to your dog groups and, and, and just all- like, Hook click, up your fellow dog moms button. and yeah. dog dads. Come on, Do guys. Okay. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.